Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. Sup. Also joining me this week, my fellow PS5 brother, Kid Presentable. <laughs> cool Kid Trophy Unlocked. That's right. Finally, joining us this week, a man who, like me, this weekend learned that we've all been wasting our times trying to br- time breaking down fights based on technique or skill or anything like that. It's just a matter of who has the better family? Lavender Gooms is here, folks. Hey, guys. You can't see it because this is an audio medium, but my Google Meets background is the face-off between the Toretto's. Yes. Dominic and Jake. Because it's Vin Diesel and John Cena look like siblings, clearly. Because muscles are a trait. <laughs> I may be getting into spoiler territory for stuff you guys like, um, but... For a guy who's so big on family, why did we only just hear about this brother? Yeah, never talked about Jake before. Oh, we talked about that well, in the movie. Because <laughs> we address it. Do we address yes, it? Do we it, address is, it? it is addressed in the movie, and it's addressed in the movie in, I don't want to say typical Fast and Furious fashion. I want to say in typical Fast and Furious 1 through 3 fashion. Yes. Um, by the way, in about 45 minutes, we are going to spoil the hell out of Fast and the Furious 9. But let me tell you, if you if you were no one's on the fence about this movie, you already already saw it or you just hate us for for talking about it. So, that's where you stand. Um All right, boys and girls, um a lot of MMA podcasts also taken off this week, not us, guys. We know where our bread is buttered. When the 145-pound Irishman comes to town, that's where we get those views, folks. So when we get those views. This weekend, Only show in town. we got, it, there's no card for another week. Like, nobody's doing anything. Um, we got UFC 264. Um, some might say, oh, this is, the, this is a big event because it's the return to Las Vegas. Other people will say this is a big event because it is the return of Conor goddamn McGregor. Um, the UFC's number one pay-per-view star. UFC going for a really good summer here because coming off their, uh, their number two pay-per-view star fought last month. Uh, and Nate Diaz. If only they could figure out what's going on with John Jones. We got ourselves Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, the trilogy. Um, a fight that I will say honestly, I just ha- I'm, I'm happy to see these guys fight in general, but I did not need to see a third three different times. Um, my feelings are that we only have maybe three or four more Conor McGregor fights, and maybe we could have him fight somebody new. Just a thought. And if he loses this one, he's definitely fighting Nate Diaz. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, there's no news to speak of this week. Nothing's happening. Um, I did see Dana White disputing that Tyron Woodley saying that he uh, made more money. He's making more money in this boxing match than he ever did as UFC champion. And then Dana White said he's full of shit. And nobody believes Dana White. So, yeah. And you see that UFC fighter has a GoFundMe that Jake Paul donated ten grand to. That's another one. Nice. I mean, based on uh, Dana White, with uh, he also said that to Francis's manager recently. 
saying this oh. guy's so full of shit. So uh, that kind of is the Dana White tell of he's full of shit is code for man. Why is this guy speaking the truth in front of all these media outlets? You know what it is, man. I step on you backdoor into actually remembering the news of this week. We got ourselves apparently an interim heavyweight title fight. Um, in six is it next pay per view? Actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think it's UFC Houston. Yeah, UFC two sixty five. Derek Lewis, surreal gone for the interim UFC heavyweight championship. Now, here's the situation. The champion, Francis Ngannou, is going home. Cameroon. All right? Um, there was this thing going on for the last year, the pandemic. You might have heard about it. Hard to go places. He wanted to see his family. He told the UFC, hey, man, hey, guys, I can't, you know. I, I We talked about this last week, didn't we? Now that I think about it. But yeah, he talked. He said that uh, I don't, uh, I can't do it. I can do it three weeks after that. And the UFC's like, nah, man, this heavyweight title needs to be, we need to book it immediately. Um, and then Dana White shit on Francis's manager, who is, we we now know is a good manager, right, Mark? That's how we learn if someone's a good manager. Well, I mean, you told me he was, so I, I believe if, whatever anybody, word you anytime, got about it, but... anytime Dana White has a problem with the manager, that means it's a good manager. Yeah, the, the news was mostly that like this manager kind of slapped back and we've had some management teams and fighters, you know, you know, do that. And, you know, it hasn't really worked out so far, but maybe this team is, and, and I mean, Francis is kind of a big enough dog to be able to pull more than some of the other times they've been challenged because he's the heavyweight championship of the UFC. So that's kind of a big uh, stick to carry around. Mm. I mean, he wants to get paid for it, and I don't think that's wrong. So he, we'll he see. If he they just wants can... to fight. He just wants to fight. I'm going to invite him gets back home. <laughs> a month later than they wanted, you know, and we, we, we did talk about it last week. It's just, it seemed like it was business as usual. But, you know, I do hope that they can, that these guys, can ultimately get management that will benefit them and they'll be able to renegotiate contracts that make more sense instead of having, you know, when you actually hear about these contracts, there's a lawsuit I just brought out, like, it's kind of crazy and ridiculous, like how little they get paid and how much they have to do to get to a certain degree to get paid. And if they're not in that tier, how much they don't. And it's just like, the, and then they like, oh, when they want to renew a contract, it's like, well, you already signed up for five. So how about eight? 10 fights like wasn't anderson had like a 10 fight deal that was going to go to like 2025 i think think anderson finished it too was the impressive part i think he did uh, it's just some of them they get crazy but well you know what happened mike um it was like a month or so ago where francis and was complaining about all this you know these youtubers making boxing money making big boxing money and he said what are we doing wrong and then nate diaz said hey man this is not a we situation you gotta ask what you're doing wrong um and then we have this going on i feel francis and has got himself a real rude awakening on uh how this shit's going on how this shit's happening these days huh yeah i think he's if he hasn't already found this out he's gonna find out very soon that you can get on dana white's shit list very quickly if you're not a star who's bringing in a million plus pay-per-view buys um he took Conor McGregor shit and to a lesser extent nate diaz's shit because he knows they bring in they bring in dollars and revenue with Francis and Gunn, we're not entirely sure on that yet. And Dana White for sure is of that camp. And he's got the numbers in front of him. For Dana White, he has a line of demarcation of, I'm not going to take this bullshit from this champ at any given moment. Basically. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, but screw it. Let's just get into talking about UFC 264. Um, as I mentioned, this is the first UFC card um to be uh back in las vegas that isn't at the apex um since i think it was last i think 
at least, I mean, it's, I'm trying to think before the pandemic when they were even in Vegas. Mm-hmm. But it's been a while. March, maybe. Or maybe March. Maybe the last pay-per-view there. It was a very sweet moment here where, where Mark Sorry, did you go to me right as my wife walked in? Well, no, we, we, all paused, we all paused and waved at her. Really is what oh, happened. Okay. Um, oh, I was I was actually scratching John Cena's uh, under chin. <laughs> actually, I wasn't waving. Mm-hmm. Mike's really adding to this audio podcast here right now. Um, anyway, UFC 264 back in Vegas, sold out at the T-Mobile Arena, a beautiful arena. Um, it's got a Shake Shack in it, among other stuff. Um, no, no champions on this card because we'd have to pay them a lot of money. And that's not going to work when we're paying Conor McGregor a lot of money. Um, you don't need him. This card's yeah. great. Dustin Poirier said his base salary for the Conor fight is four times what it would be for a title fight. Which, damn. well, damn. Yeah. I guess because of pay-per-view points, right? That's probably the, it's probably not his come in win well, bonus. I, 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 you know what? Let me tell you. If I'm going to fight Charles Oliveira on pay-per-view, I'm going to ask for that base number to be real high because I love Charles Oliveira. That's not selling anything. Um, <laughs> these guys fought back in January. Uh, Dustin taking uh, that fight in the third, I want to say. Second. Correct. Second? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the second wasn't going so well for Dustin either. He really turned this fight around quick. No, it, mean, went, it went pretty well for him, Bob. <laughs> That's when he started the low kicks. And it well, like the, like the, well first, like the first minute or so of it, I thought he was cracking him. But anyway, um, they fought previously back at UFC 178, I believe, oh, no. where oh. Connor dusted him in about 90 seconds in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it again. The betting odds for this one, Stefan. Um, still pretty close. Uh, Dustin is the slight favorite at minus twenty or one twenty, and Connor is anywhere from even money to minus one hundred two. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a close line. Still, ultimately, a kind of a coin flip. Yeah, and um, I believe this whole card has got a lot of those, a lot of close fights. It seems like, um, uh, with the exception of our most recently updated fight, uh, there is a big. Big mismatch on yeah. that one. Yes, the uh, Sean O'Malley fight, of course. Uh, Mike, where are we in the It's an Amazing standings right now for our picks? We're, we've crossed the halfway point of the year. How are How is your pursuit of glory? You're muted. You're still muted. We are six months in, six months more to go. Um, it's still pretty much anyone's game, even... Even Stefan, with a with a few good weeks, could get back in there. He's bringing up the rear at thirty two and twenty nine. Uh, Mark Winning. is in third with at thirty six and twenty five, and then it's very bunched up at the top between me and Bobby. I'm in second at thirty nine and twenty two, and Bob is in the lead at forty and twenty one. Shout out to Cyril Gone, proving he's a future champion right there, getting that five round decision. Um. All right, Mike, why don't you just lead it off here? We got a trilogy fight. We got a close betting line. We saw this fight six months ago. I'm pretty sure we all picked Connor then. Yeah, we saw that fight six months ago. Uh, the first fight was about seven years ago. And all Jesus, we had was to- it? It was that I mean, long it ago? About, it was about 2014. Holy I fuck. I, I don't know why in my head it was 2017. Jesus. Okay. I believe, I believe the first fight, I think it may have been the first fight on Fox Sports 1. Maybe I think in Boston. No, that was that was when he tore his ACL. Oh, that was, was it? when he oh, fought. Right. Uh, I, mean, I think you're right. That was closer to 2014. That sounds right. But go ahead. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, with that fight, um, all we had to go on was Connor. Um, you know, obliterating him very, very quickly. 
Um, obviously, we knew Dustin had made leaps and bounds since then, but you know, we're all whores to previous decisions, so we went with Connor in the first one. Uh, this time around, there's only about six months in between, and we saw the evolution in Dustin's game and how it came to fruition and how it bore fruit in that second fight. And I don't think this is going to be a repeat of when Connor fought Nate for the second time um, in that rematch, where I love Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is my guy, but Nate Diaz doesn't have the, the repertoire and the skill set. Um, the variety of the skill set that I think Dustin Poirier has, this is going to be a lot harder for Connor to game plan for and actually come out with the victory the third time around. Um, I'll go. I don't think anything you said was wrong, but I actually think him fighting more often, like a little bit, being a faster turnaround, is probably better for Connor. I always felt he's had his most success in MMA, like when he's really active. Um, and that last fight in January, that first round was going really bad for Dustin. He was getting hit a lot. Um, I don't like how whenever Connor loses to, to a certain thing, he acts like the discovery of that technique just occurred in his fight. Like he didn't know, like he like somehow we didn't know about calf kicks. He wasn't prepared for them. Look, I don't know if Connor McGregor's still an elite lightweight, but. I still think he wins. I still think he wins this fight. I thought he was in it, on his way to winning the last one, but Dustin really made an adjustment there. I think when there's a rematch, it's on the guy who lost the last one to make adjustments. So I think Connor will make the adjustments. I think he has a good coach. And assuming Connor's been minding his P's and Q's for these last six months, um, he you know coming off a loss, he always seems pretty motivated. So I'm gonna go with Connor here, Mark. Um, yeah, th those are valid points. I think it's really easy if you hadn't rewatched the fight recently to forget that, you know, I, Connor did do really good in that first round and he wasn't in great positions. He got taken down. Um, they got in the clinch. Connor looked pretty strong in the clinch. Um, but Dustin had his moments in the first two, but it definitely was Connor's first round. And then the second round is where the low kicks came into more play. And obviously, you know, Dustin was able to, to land with his hands. Um, it will be interesting to see how Connor makes those adjustments and I, I think he will be able to make those and I feel like this fight potentially can be a longer fight which I think will help Dustin in the long run I think his varied attack will help him um, mix things up keep Connor guessing a little bit more um, and I do think Connor tends to to wilt a little bit and it has been a long time since he's had like a five round war and we've seen Dustin in there in those fights and, and getting wins that way and able to squeak out rounds so I think it's going to be a really close fight I do think it's going to go to decision I think Dustin's going to get it but I think it'll be competitive and fun man a five round would be badass these guys match yeah. up in an exciting way Stefan we're going to get a split or are we going to or are we going three one here what do you think um, I have zero expectation of a five rounder none whatsoever this is a short I, I have it finishing inside of uh, before the championship round so inside the three um Connor's not really wired for the long. He 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 has gone, but he's a bit of a his fighting style lends itself to be explosive early things. Um, and yeah, it's all good points. I, I think the line is fair because what just a centimeter more well targeted in one of those punches in the first round probably knocks out Dustin. Like they were really big shots. Um, and yeah, I, I think for, for a lot of the things Connor gets knocked on, he adjusts well. Right, he's still a student of the game. 
Um, having watched the countdown show, I got a good sense. I think he's taking it very seriously. He's very aware of what happened. Um, I think going into that fight, he fell in love with his boxing a little bit, right? He's a little bit more heavy stanced, right? He's a little more sitting on those punches, which kind of lended himself to getting kicked as much as he did. Um, you know, it's war. It's not, will he make the adjustments? Is he, is he capable? Um, like, you know, like you said, that first fight, it's all Conor McGregor's been in our lives a lot longer than we realize now, you know, um, so there is a bit of mileage on him. Is he at his athletic peak? Um, like you said, Bob, you asked, can he still be elite? Um, very much could be, but uh, it's going to end up being 3-1 just because I kind of just bounce with the tides here. Um, you know, Dustin, his ascent has been higher. He His game lends itself to being a longer, you know, well-rounded game. He can play the long game, working the body, working the kicks a little bit more. Uh, Connor, for as amazing he as he is, for as flashy as his highlights can be, and why we love him, a little bit of a headhunter, you know. Um, yeah, and one thing absolutely. we saw is, yeah. So, like, you know, do you I, think I it took, I, do you think I, it took him seriously the first time? This, I mean, this in January, do you think he took him as seriously as he should have? I, I, honestly, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he knows how good Dustin is. But do you think he thought I beat this motherfucker in ninety in ninety seconds last time? Do you think I got? Do you I think, think that was a factor? I don't I don't think he like, you know, in terms of preparation, I don't think he like underestimated a in like this isn't a credible opponent. Mm. I think at that time we were seeing Dustin on the rise, you know, Dustin um did he beat Gaethje at that point when they fought? You know, like mm-hmm. Yeah, Dustin. Um, yeah, he had. So yeah, at that point Dustin is sitting at the top. I think he just has that mental belief of, well, I've beat this guy before so I can beat him again, but not in the sense that it was underprepared like I think he, he, he thought you know, he read this book already. He thought he knew everything. Sure. Was, there were no surprises. Yeah. I think that's one of the unfair knocks on Connor in general is kind of what my point is. Like for all his antics, I don't think he ever doesn't take training seriously. You know, I think he puts in his work, um, you know, kind of in between the fights and on the mats and all that. You know, there's just certain things his physical assets lead him to being good at and some things that he's just not as like, you know. In that first round, he gets up from the takedown from Dustin Well, right? He's supposed to be the guy who is, you know, cakewalk on the ground. Anybody could take this guy down. He's got no submission defense. He reverses the clinch, and then he starts giving uh, Dustin those shoulder shots that uh, he ended up, like, basically beating Cerrone with. So you can see there's evolution in Connor's game, but people just don't like to give him uh, credit because he's such a little stinker, you know? But... You know, so as I said, is I just kind of think like you know, in terms of the arc of their career, Dustin might just be a little bit higher. But it's this is one where there's no surprise if Connor just straight knocks him out. Like when Connor win, it's gonna look impressive, right? Connor doesn't eke out wins. He either wins in a blaze of glory or he goes down in a blaze of glory. So that's kind of one of the really appealing things about watching his fights is people mostly get finished, right? Like, I'm, yeah. saying, I'm not expecting I think Nate. Fights. I think Nate's the only one in recent times that, like, it went, like, the second Nate fight went five rounds, but that was a fucking war. Yeah. Like, they beat the you shit You know, like, he other. had that early decision over Holloway, and that's the fight where he tore his ACL, yeah. supposedly, in the fight. So, mm-hmm. you know, no no shame that he couldn't yeah. get to a finish. Yeah, people are harsh on him, but he also, I mean, he is a loud-spoken person. You can kind of come with the territory, but, Mike, we're talking about, like, man gets taken down by Chad Mendez and... Khabib Nurmagomedov, and where everybody's just like, can't stop a takedown. It's like, well, fuck, man. He's not getting taken down by bums, right? Like, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, with when it comes to Conor McGregor, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, we're hyper focused on every little thing that happens in each fight. But you know, that's the fight game for you. How many more do we get out of him? 
He doesn't need depends. to. We learned he doesn't need to do this on any level. He's the, he was the highest paid athlete last year in the world. Yeah, um, I, I think it all depends. Um, this is not the last he, one, though, right? You think either way? He's gonna fight Nate before before he hangs it up. Mm-hmm. But I think the number of fights that he has left in him is fully dependent on if he wins this next fight because um, he's also a man that you know I think has a pretty good finger on the pulse when it comes to his popularity. And I mean, he knows if if he loses this fight, I mean he's going to lose a lot of the common fan and you know, the fans that aren't us that, you know, they, they don't give a shit about a guy who's lost two or three in a row. Do you think it matters if he wins or loses? Honestly, do you think it matters if he wins or loses? Yes. Honestly, to the common fan, really? Yes. Because he's not making all of the brash comments he used to do before that really drew people in. And he doesn't have, I think the cult personality you know, around him that the Diaz brothers do that. Sure enough, the Diaz brothers, or I guess Nate Diaz in, in particular, since he's the one that's fought in the last five years, we don't give a shit if he wins or, or, or loses. But with Connor, I think so much of his mystique when he was coming up was he was brash, but he backed it up. And yeah, if you're not backing it up, I think people that aren't like us, aren't going to give a shit to watch his fights. I don't know. You might be right. Marcus, do you agree? Sorry, uh, not not entirely. Um, I I understand what Mike's saying, and I think a big part of this game is like you do have to, to win. You know, it, it, to stay relevant in this game, you do have to get Ws. Um, and just showing a good fight is good. And I think you will maintain some fans if you if he has a strong performance, and and like I think it'll be you know maybe a five round you know a tactical fight. I still think even in coming out on the losing end, he'll still maintain a certain amount of fans because I think he's just he has that charisma. He's that popular that I don't think another loss will hurt him, you know, significantly. But the numbers will tell, right? I think this pay-per-view numbers will tell. Like, how will this pay-per-view stack up with the other one? You know, does it decrease a little bit because Connor, you know, potentially you can draw some correlation. He lost that last fight. Maybe some of the common fan did lose interest in Connor then. And this fight doesn't do as well. If this fight does just as well, it's like, well, maybe he didn't really lose that much. But then he loses two in the row. You know, the numbers are really going to be the outlier. So apologize, Marcus. We have the variable now of like in January, we were all definitely at home. And now nobody's at home. Man, I would love some real numbers. Can this this yeah, fucker's public? Yeah. Really pub- this motherfucker's public now. I got. I'm a UFC owner. Okay. I got ten shares of this bitch. Can I figure out? Can I? I need to. I need to see the books. How can I make decisions about the future here if I don't see the books? Come on, let me in the quarterly report. Give me stuff. Stuff on. Go ahead. I mean, I, I just want to say is like while we talk about like what happens in in, in terms of the casual fan, uh, we always you know everyone thinks I'm joking when I bring it up, but this is the new reality we live in. Uh, regardless of what happens in this UFC run, we can always drum up that interest in a heartbeat, and we can get that retirement walking away money by simply asking the question: Is what can Connor do against the Paul brother? You know, I, so, I, no matter what happens with against Dustin, no matter what happens against Nate, Connor always has this a multi-million dollar thing in the should, back pocket. They should do. They should do Connor fighting both of them, but they got to alternate rounds. I would sure. Why not? Shit. I would watch the shit out of that. By that time, Bobby, we might be there to tag team boxing. Okay, I would be. I, I would watch the shit out of that. Um, all right. Um, Gilbert Burns versus Wonderboy Thompson, aka how Le- Leon Edwards gets fucked yet again. That's what the subtitle of this fight is. Wonderboy Thompson, uh, a man who I learned has a very entertaining YouTube channel. Quite frankly, learned about that in the last week. I dig it. 
Um, coming off of two straight victories over Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal, got himself a fight of the night and a performance of the night. Um, man likes to fight once a year these days, it seems like. Uh, Gilbert Burns, I believe, last fight is when he got baptized by the champion, Kamaru Usman. Got himself knocked out in that third round. Um, betting line for this one, Stefan? Uh, I was actually a little surprised. It's not that it's steep, but uh, Stephen Thompson is the favorite at minus 172, which is a, a little odd number, um, to well, Gilbert Burns' plus 140. Well, let's say this now. Um, our go-to bet, let, let's just peel back the curtain. Our go-to website for this is Best Fight Odds. And Best Fight Odds has promoted FanDuel to the number one slot in the betting odds, which used to be five dimes, which I don't know what they did stuff on, but they got kicked out of the top five entirely. Five dimes uh, <laughs> is apparently laundering some money. Yeah. So we can't show what their lines are anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, we like to go with an American betting line now. Um, I got Wonderboy Thompson. Um, Wonderboy Thompson's 38 years old, I think, now. Um, and I'm going to say this is it. He's never going to sniff a title shot again if he loses this fight. Which, I mean, he had two title fights, had quite a run, quite frankly, in the UFC. Um, been here since 2011, 2012, I'm sorry. Uh, came in as a 5-0 and fighter, is currently 16-0. and Not a bad run, quite frankly. Losses being to people like Till, Pettis, and Woodley. But I think this is uh, this is the last push for the, of the Wonder Boy. Um, and um, I think he's going to get it done here. On the feet, he manages distance better than almost any welterweight in the UFC. This man is probably, he got so close to being a champion without being one. Those fights with Woodley were razor, razor thin. Um, and I think this is his last push, and I think he's going to get it done here. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a really tough one. Um, and it's kind of surprising Thompson, um, I mean, in my eyes, kind of surprising Thompson is the favorite. Um, I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns. I mostly just because I think. Looking back at Thompson, like the run hasn't been as smooth. I mean, the Neil fight and he's getting uh, hit a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, not just that, just like um, you know, it wasn't that long ago he lost to Till and Pettis, and and the Woodley outings weren't super favorable. Obviously, he lost one. There was a draw, um, and Burns looked really great up until his run with Usman, and that fight was really close too. Um, you know, uh, Burns had some moments early on uh, where it looked like he was going to be able to, to to capture it and uh. Usman was able to snatch it back from him. So I'm going to go with Burns. I think it's a really close fight. I think it's going to be highly contested. Uh, I think it will be technical. I think it depends if Burns could get Wonder Boy to the ground and utilize any of that stuff. If it's just going to be on the tough feet. Too. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be difficult because Thompson, you know, um, has a lot of, you know, he's going to give him a lot of difficulty, you know, measuring that distance, having him get into clinches easily, um, you know, and most of it's going to be octagon control. He's going to be able to take center and push him up against the cage and not let him escape out the sides. Um, if he can do that, I think he can win. Um, but that is a tough task. So I think it's going to be a really close fight. Um, but I got Burns. Uh, Mike, what do you got here? I co-sign with everything that you guys have said so far. Um, giving you guys fair warning now that for the next two fight picks, I will be picking out of emotion and want. So in this case, I will be picking Steven Thompson because I do want to see him fight for a title again. Um, there aren't many genuinely good guys, I think, out in the world. Um, and Steven Thompson seems like one of those guys. The um, nice, he's the nicest motherfucker in the UFC. The Ariel got him a belt made, I think, <laughs> is what happened. He's got, know, an, if, he's got an NMF belt. <laughs> 
if if he could be the the third cleaver, but you know, a cleaver that just like does high kicks and does like sweet karate shit, I would be I would totally understand that and totally believe that for you guys are wondering cleavers is from Leave It to Beaver. Um so I'm going with uh, Steven Thompson out of pure want and desire. Mike, picking a man who knocked out a friend of ours multiple times. Stefan, who do you got? <laughs> Look, man, you know, you don't want to just you just don't want to peel the onion too far back with people in MMA, right? Like I'm just gonna take it at face value that you say he's a nice guy. Mike, look at the time. You know that whole cast in that white America age, most of them were probably really racist. So let's let's not peel things too bad. So, he's from South Carolina. So you're he's saying- good friends with Chris Weidman. I don't want to peel back the social. He's side. related so, to wait, Chris Weidman. Different. So, wait. So <laughs> what you're your saying family? is that uh, the Beaver probably was using the N word with the hard R. Maybe Mister. I don't know about uh, the little child one, but well, maybe he grew up. It, it, I, I, it, I didn't. I didn't follow them closely, Mike. It's the Chappelle Show skit when uh, the guy is delivering the milk to uh, the family. You know what I'm talking about? That's that's that's, that's what we're talking about here. Steph, go ahead. <laughs> um, but this fight is tough. Uh, I'm going with Boo Earns. But I'm pretty scared of that pick. Um, I think, even though he is a, has a muscular build, I think Bourne's might actually naturally be a lightweight. Um, He's not a tall man. When, he came up from lightweight, you know, and he made his run at welterweight when he went up in weight. He was kind of like, I, was, I remember my initial comparison is, oh, maybe he's pulling a Robert Whitaker, right? Maybe not cutting as much weight is helping his speed and power ratio just work a little bit better. But then he ran against a Camaro, and I'm like, you're decisively smaller. Um, and one thing Wonder Boy has is maybe not big muscle. He's long. He's long and tall and rangy. And, you know, he's very technical. And what feasted on uh, Burns was that damn jab, you know? So I'm very nervous about the technical and size difference maybe hurting Burns here. Um, I'd be totally happy with Wonder Boy winning. This is one of those kind of. Uh, Padding my self-interest things where if Wonder Boy gets a title shot against Usman, I'll be happy to see it. But uh, if Gilbert Burns wins, that's the best avenue. You said it, Bob. Uh, he wasn't my guy before, but he is now for Leon Edwards to not get screwed because uh, Gilbert was so decisively finished by Kamaru. There's more leg to stand on that Leon should not get jumped in that event. You know, I um, fundamentally believe, by the way, Leon's getting fucked either way. That's just me because I it's, think the it's, world's it's, not it's fair. Entirely, it's, it's entirely possible, right? Um, and another thing that scares me, this is might be a feeling. I don't have any facts or history to reference this. I feel like there is a long lineage of Brazilian title contenders who, after they lost their title map, they just fell off the edge of the earth. It is a flat world, and they found the, they fl- found the, the corner and just fell off. Where, like, you know, uh, Tiago Alves is the first one that comes to mind where – Whatever monster we thought they were when they earned their title shot, they never approximated that level of success again. And I don't know what it is, um, but I feel like there have been a number of Brazilian challengers in the past, right? Um, look at also another another Tiago Santos, right? He gave John Jones hell with no ligaments in his knees, and then he got starched in his next fight too. Like so, um, I, I don't you know. Sure, you want to take Burns? You sure you're making a good case the other way? <laughs> I'm, I'm making a lot of cases against yeah. Boerns in this, but this is one of those ones. This like is I one said. of those ones at the end where Mike goes, "Wait, which one are you picking?" That's one of these. <laughs> it is. I'm making really great arguments. In fact, Mark Wait, is going to jump ship you at picked, the end of this. You, you did pick Burns, right? Like <laughs> he did. He did. Like, I, I Mike, picked Mike, Mike, Burns, just, but like I've heard you talk so much. The other side, I'm like, I have to confirm that. 
Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm making it a coin flip because ultimately, Mike, like you said, it's a heart thing. I want Leon to get what's his, and Burns winning is the better avenue to that outcome. But like Bob said, my man's just going to get screwed either way. I mean, I think they're going to make him fight Jorge Masvidal, personally. I think that's what's happening. I think they make him. We, 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 we have to go I'm back to, to Jorge and that man living in my Trump inst- or YouTube ads for the last year. Like, get Jorge out of here. I'm off that guy. They got to do that two piece in a soda fight, right? They got to make money off of that. That's still coming. Um, all right. So, two and two in that one. Um, you know, Wonder Boy had to be on this card to offset the character of the other people on this card, quite frankly. Um, yeah. And Greg Hardy. Tai Tuivasa, a woman beater versus a man who's drinking beer out of a shoe that someone spit in. Not even his yeah, shoe. Those, are, those aren't even in the same No, no, I'm just about. saying that. I'm just describing the two gentlemen. Not saying it's the same thing. Just their hobbies, Mike. Just their, their hobbies. hobbies. <laughs> their hobbies. You know? Um, Greg Hardy's coming off of, I don't even know, man. He lost. He, he lost to Martian Tarbora. Yeah, coming after, after two straight wins over Jorgen DeCastro and Maurice Green. Tai Tuivasa, who I maintain, said he was cut, and he was not. not. No, he's fought uh, twice during the pandemic. Um, once in Abu Dhabi, knocked out Stefan Struve in about in in one round, and then knocked out a guy named Harry Hunsucker in a minute. Um, betting odds. Uh, the man with the shoe is uh, the favorite in this one at minus 144. What is up, FanDuel? Where, where are you getting all these random <laughs> non-round numbers in your betting lines? Uh, you know what? As of next week, we're not using FanDuel anymore. Yeah, we're going to go just, for, we're gonna, we're gonna find for, five for times again. <laughs> for consistency's sake, we are now. Because, again, Craig Hardy at plus 118. I got to have change. I just they, What? They ran out of 20s at the FanDuel casino? They can't pay out in solid numbers? Like, Anyways, Greg Hardy, slight underdog. Um, I'm going to pay this piece of shit a compliment here first. Um, Greg Hardy, when it comes to just standing up, looks fast, looks explosive, looks like he might be something. <laughs> then Greg Hardy gets taken down and that entire house of cards crumbles. My it, man has no plan for that. It, it's None. also not that surprising that he looks fast when he's on his feet. He used to be an all-pro defensive end. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is a man's an athletic beast. He might be the best athlete in that weight class. Just He probably is, based on his former profession. But when he's on the ground, he looks like it's UFC 1. Um, he, just, just, he just seems that he's accepting the inevitability of getting ground and pounded or tapped out whenever he's on the ground. And Marcus, this fight... They did not put him against somebody who's going to take him down, probably. Um, they put him against Tai Tuivasa, who is stubborn enough to stand with him. That being said, I'm still taking Tai Tuivasa because the other outcome makes me sad. I got Tai Tuivasa. What do you got, Mark? <laughs> um, yeah, I have Tai as well. Um, and I agree, this is a good stylistic matchup for Greg Hardy. Uh, why I'm still sticking with, with Tai as well is that I, do, I don't think Greg Hardy has really shown to me like the high technical aptitude to really set up traps and strikes and and to, to pres- present himself as a high-level striker. I think he is, the things you mentioned before, he's extremely athletic. He, he knows how to throw, um, and, he, and he definitely can, And but I just don't think, I don't see that high level of striking that we've seen from other guys that also get it done quickly. Um, 
like Francis, right? Like I, when you look at someone like Francis, he has all those other same athletics uh, athleticism, but he also knows how to set up traps. He knows how to capitalize on mistakes. I don't really see that level in Greg Hardy. So I am giving Ty the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to find opportunities where Greg's not going to be strong in the fight, potentially in the clinch. If he could take him down, that would be great. I mean, that's obviously the kryptonite. That's I think that's the easiest way for you to just really deplete this dude's stamina and get him fighting kind of just running, you know, at second gear just to to complete the fight and not get finished. Um, but yeah, Ty's not really that guy. Ty likes to go in there and throw heavy hands from the outset and try to get it done in the first round. That's what he's been successful at his entire career. So, you know, I could very much see them clashing. And in that type of fight, it is kind of a, a, to- a coin toss. You know, um, either one of these could land a, guys can land a big strike and finish it there. But I'm going to give Ty the benefit of the doubt and think he's going to approach this fight a little bit more intelligently and understand that like okay let's just try to push this guy into the second and third round and see what he has there and maybe that's where he tries to kick it into high gear and finish the fight there um but yeah it it, potentially it could be a really fun fight i I think this is you know given the skill level that greg hardy has shown this is an appropriate type of challenge i want to see him in um because when they put him up against alex volkoff i was like okay well this is a joke this is why are we doing this yeah yeah, it's like (laughs) we already know the outcome here um, they've been matching him up with, I think, in his last couple of fights, better fighters that are in his realm but are still challenging him. You know, he couldn't beat Ty Bora, um, but Ty is a challenge that he potentially could overcome. But I'm gonna, I'm going with Ty. But I think it's dude, close. We're we're twelve fights into this dude's UFC career, or no, not twelve, eleven fights into his UFC career. Two of them being in the contender series, but this is a, it's quite a few. He's put in rounds, you know, as much as. He could have been a flash in the pan and just, you know, like he's a, still there. Surprisingly, he still, he, still he, he he seems to have been honest when he said he was really going to put his, you know, his no heart NFL and soul team into this calling. and go for it. No, and so that I mean, too. The options no maybe NFL, dwindling. So this is no an athletic is endeavor he could make some decent cash on. But you really he, thought it'd be the you really it. thought it would be the Raiders, man. Then it's it not an easy happen. sport, you know. <laughs> just like the NFL, this is a difficult sport. And if he was in it just to get rich quick. One, I don't really think that's materialized. I don't know how, how much we, money have he's we seen a Have these. we seen a contract? Have we seen a payout for this guy yet? Know. We I haven't, haven't really have we? I mean, I okay. Anyway, um, so two picks for Toy Vasa so far. Stefan, what do you got? Um, I think we've seen that he's making six figures. He's not making a typical introductory. He's kind of getting good money uh, in this, and um, I can't remember off the top, but I feel like I have seen that in the past. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing you point out about his volume of fights, uh, Greg Hardy is a weird case because this is usually one of the things UFC boasts about is they don't bring along guys slowly. But you look at the list of all those fights that Greg Hardy, he fights a lot of nobodies or guys who have since been cut. Like, they've actually given him the development career track in the UFC, which truly is something that almost never happens. Um, particularly in the last several years of the UFC. Um, that said, you know, with uh, Mike having tipped off his uh, pick here, um, I guess I'm going to be the one who's a little dirty. I'm going to take Greg Hardy. Um, what do you like, mean I tipped off my pick? You said you're going to pick on emotion here. Are you emotionally going to pick? Are you you're emotionally going to emotionally pick? pick Greg Hardy? <laughs> yeah. He loves him what he stands for. Maybe I'm very big on hygiene. You ever thought of that? 
Uh, no, we are coming out of COVID. Everyone's come up. We were All thinking right, like Mike, the, Mike the wants... bigger issues, but Mike's looking at all the hygiene of a man. So. so when Bobby compared the two things, Mike did weigh mm. it in his head. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, what do you mean? They're spitting the shoe? Uh, it was about even, but now it's tipped the scale. But um, yeah, it's Ty's not that guy. Mark, I, I agree with everything you said. When you're comparing him to Francis, I'm like, well, Francis is using these technical stills to fight the high end of the division. Yeah. Tai Tuivasa is not that. He's no you Francis. <laughs> Tai Tuivasa is the... Hardy's no Francis, but they're both yeah. no Francis. That's clear. <laughs> yes. So, like, Ty, I, I do believe Ty's kind of has, like, kind of stubborn Samoan guy, like, mentality of, like, I can knock this guy out. He can't knock me out. I'm tough. Oh, we're just going to fight. Um, Ty, Ty I mean, is Mark Hunt without the technical ability, okay? Ty is just a big bar brawler, okay? He's, he's, um, he looks like the Mark Hunt look with the tank habit abilities. That's where we're at with Ty Tuivasa, okay? <laughs> More or less. That is a apt description. Um, I mean, it's a credible name. He, I, I, I'm thankful for Marcin Tybora, but Ty Tuivasa is not the champion I would have chosen in the uh, crusade of flaming Greg Hardy's career uh, out. Honestly, right now at this point, I'm like, we're talking that out loud. I'm like, I think Greg Hardy's going to find a way. I mean, they might have, they, they, Greg Hardy's going to find a way here. Um, Mike, I just want, before you pick, I just want to point out that the last time Greg Hardy fought, it was also on a Wonder Boy Thompson card. Because I feel the UFC is intentionally doing this. They got to balance out the woman beater with someone with some level of integrity. So Wonder Boy Thompson, man, please, no skeletons, dude. None. <laughs> we need it's like <laughs> it's like Rick needing some. It's like Rick needing Morty for his Morty ways to to balance out his his genius with uh, you know some stupidity. But in this case, it's good Christian upbringing with whatever Greg Hardy's bringing. Uh, but yeah, Steph was right. Um, I am going with Greg Hardy on this one on emotional reasons because, well, Greg Hardy's a knucklehead. Uh, but on a technical level, I mean, Tai Tuivasa has some really good leg kicks, and Greg Hardy has shown an ability to not check leg kicks. So one thing I thought of when I saw that this fight got booked was, yeah, I can totally see that by the s- second round, mid-second round, Greg Hardy can barely walk, um, you know, can barely can barely stand on his leg, and I think that's how Tuivasa is going to win this fight. All right. Take away his mobility and then knock his ass out, hopefully. Irene Aldana, Yana Kunitskaya. Irene Aldana, in her last fight, um, got beat by Holly Holm over five rounds back in uh, back in Abu Dhabi. Uh, the scorecards for that one, um, clean sweep for Holly Holm. Five rounds to nothing. Yana Kunitskaya um, coming off of two straight wins over... Julia Storalenko and uh, Ketlin Vieira. Um, and also about five minutes ago, Stefan trashed her husband. Talking about him falling off a cliff after losing to John Jones. So that's where Yana Kunitskaya is at. Betting odds for this one. She's married to Tiago Santos? I yes. hope I didn't make that up. That is They're correct. engaged. They are engaged. Engaged. So Fair hopefully enough. They can, hopefully they can book a wedding. Not in Brazil. Somewhere else. But, you know. Uh, Another near coin flip fight. Yana is the slight underdog at even money. And uh, Irene Aldana, here it is again, Bob. All the other lines, minus 120, minus 125. What does FanDuel say? Minus 122. We're not even going to average the other ones. We're just going to choose a number in between. Um, Okay. Go ahead, man. Are you picking your girl? I'm picking Irene. Um, I don't feel great about it, to be honest. Uh, 
you know, she was having a little bit of a moment. She got that big TKO. She fought Holly Holm. And then Holly Holm is always a very tough challenge, and Holly Holm's specific style makes her a tough challenge. But when I watched that fight, uh, what I saw her corner and her camp reared my my big criticisms reared their head again. They can't make adjustments in fight. Um, whatever their game plan is, is their game plan. And if something's not going their way, there is no technical advice. There is no here's plan B because uh, Iran spent five rounds just chasing. Never changed the angle she pursued. She never added additional kicks. She never threw in some takedowns to mix up the looks. She just chased and whiffed at air for five straight rounds. Um, it was really frustrating and disappointing to see as someone who's a fan of her. Um, Yana, she doesn't lose decisions. She When she loses, she gets finished. And unfortunately, Iran has, Irina has a history of decisions. That, that TKO or that KO she got was kind of like her first one in the UFC, right? So can she recreate that? You know, so... I'm taking her because, you know, I root for that camp, uh, Lobo MMA, because uh, Alexa Grasso is another one of my favorite in the women's divisions. But it's kind of like the same as the Gilbert Burns wondered Thompson fight. If I'm being completely objective, I see a lot of reasons to pick against her. But I'm not Mike. being objective. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, um, I think I'll follow uh, follow stuff on um, Kunis, on a. Uh, on Aldana, sorry. Marcus. Uh, yeah, I- I'm going the other way. Um, I'm going with Yana. Um, just and, and for a lot of reasons, Stefan mentioned. You know, he ma- he always makes a good case for the other the other side of the coin. Um, I think she's a very technical fighter. I think she knows how to win rounds and get decisions. Um, and just like he said, you know, she tends to when she loses get finished. And you know, I, I think Irene is completely capable of that. We have seen her finish people. Um, in the UFC and especially in um, when her run in Invicta, she was you know getting a lot of stoppages there. I just think Yana's a little too tough to 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 fall for that, um, and will be able to control the fight. You know, have better positioning in the clinch, potentially take it down, control the fight on top, um, do those things that the judges like to in a close round to just make it an easy decision for them. She got a takedown in this round, she wins the round. She controlled most of the round in the clinch and scored some knees or something. She gets the round. I, I think that's how this fight's going to play out. It might not be the most exciting. Of the main card, um, but I see that. I think if it is going to be exciting, I think it's because Aldana will score some big punches and potentially, you know, do a lot of damage and potentially finish her, which would be interesting. And I'd, I'd root for that outcome, but I think Yana's going to win. Uh, I'm going to go with Yana also, who I just learned Nick, her, her nickname is Foxy, which I feel has never been said by Bruce Buffer ever. Um, I got Yana also. I think it's going to be close. Um, but yeah, unless I think I, I, uh, I, Irene might need to fight the way she used to fight. Like, let's make this a brawl. You know what I mean? I think that mm-hmm. would actually benefit her in this type of fight. But I got I got Yana um, with that close-ass betting line. Um, Sean O'Malley was going to fight Luis Smolka, and I was looking forward to that, man. I thought that was going to be a fun matchup of interesting styles. Um, something happened to Luis, um, got hurt. About 15 different UFC bantamweights asked to fight uh, Sean O'Malley. And they went with the one that nobody knew, uh, which not not you know doesn't mean the guy can't win, but it sounds like we didn't want to you know. Well, let's not give Sean O'Malley a puzzle to figure out on ten days' notice. He's a debuting UFC fighter and the real kiss of death. He has no Wikipedia page. Had to go to Sherdog yeah. to see what this kid's record was. Chris Motinho, uh, fighting out of Milford, Massachusetts. Rivera Athletic Center, 
which I'm starting to think he might train under Jorge Rivera because I know Jorge is out of Massachusetts, maybe, because, you know, Could that's be. why I'm basing it off of. Yeah. Um, nine and four record. Um, look, no one's – is anybody picking against Sean O'Malley here? That's going to nope. be no, Bobby. Okay. Instead, if anything, Bob, um, I'm surprised the line wasn't bigger. Just for uh, academic sake, uh, Sean O'Malley is minus 950 to Moutinho's plus 590. But honestly, with all the variables in hand, it could have been bigger. And he is, in fact, uh, that is uh, Jorge Rivera's gym. Just check. Um, let's just do like this ten, instead. I'd put, I'd put like 10 bucks on the other guy, you know, if I lived in Vegas. Why not? You, I mean, you can just go to New Jersey and make it that real quick, Mike. Oh, uh, no, nah, son. Nah. Yeah, but then I got to pay like 15 bucks to get back in. That's not worth uh, it. That's a lot of bridge toll <laughs> and gas, Bobby, to make a that's $10 true. bet. Um, I'll just say this real quickly. Um, there's a couple interesting fights on the prelims I just want to point out here. Um, I think Michelle Pereira and Nico Price could be very interesting, um, especially this newer version of Michelle, uh, Michelle Pereira. And Nico Price is kind of just out there, just a violent motherfucker. Um, M- Michelle Pereira, was that the dude doing the stupid flips and shit? Yeah, he kind of got it together, though, these last couple fights. Um, I think that could be really good. Ryan Hall fighting anybody at this point is rare. Um, but Stefan, he's like a minus 270 underdog to this guy he's fighting, which I, I, I feel the second Ryan Hall loses a fight, the UFC is going to cut him. He just isn't worth their trouble for them. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't pay attention that closely to him. I know he gets some slick subs from time to time, but I'm not, I don't got my finger on the, the Hall pulse. Uh, Max Ryan, Griffin, Carlos. Ryan Hall is eight and one. Why are they dying to get rid of him? He doesn't throw punches, really. He's a slick he's sub a, guy. He's, he's a, a real sub. He's very much a jits guy. It's I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't fight often. It feels like people won't accept fights with him. It's kind of the the rub out there. Um so I don't know. I got like I don't think though I don't think he's long for the UFC. Personally, just me guessing. I like this Carlos Condit Max Griffin fight. Carlos Condit uh if he can pull this off Marcus, that's 3 in a row for Carlos Condit. Quite um, a turnaround. He was what looking rough a while ago. And three people who we know, we recognize if he does. He beat Matt Brown, he beat Court McGee, and if he beats Max Griffin, that's another one right there. Um, he after may losing, have one last title run in him. Okay, mm. let's, let's not let's get wild here. But he's lost. He lost five straight before that. Um, when so you know Carlos Condit out there still fighting. So somebody's got to bring money into the Jackson Wink camp because John Jones ain't well, John Jones isn't fighting. Any at all right now, and then Jennifer Maya Jessica I on this card. Um, there's a lot of fights on this card in general, thirteen fights, but a lot of interesting matchups. So we'll see where that goes. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. We're going to end with the Fast and the Furious talk for the few of you who want to not be spoiled or don't want to hear it on any level. So let's go first to Stefan. Um, short week. Uh, you know, I might as well just keep it simple. I got me a PS5. Um, shout outs to Matt Swider. Uh, I think he might be an editor for Tech Radar, which I don't know. Is that a magazine still? Is it just a website nowadays? I don't know yeah. how well print media is doing these days. Um, uh, but he puts out alerts. Uh, you know, a shout out to him. I follow him. Uh, it always kind of amuses me that when uh, people don't get their uh, PS5s or Xboxes or GPUs, and they get really mad at the dude 
and they'll be like, man, fuck this guy who just does this service for free and, you know, you can either take it or leave it. You know, like it's his fault that all these things are selling out in seconds and Walmart has the jankiest checkout system uh, you ever saw. Um, I will say a pro tip from there was um, I ended up scoring mine from Best Buy. Um, and one of the benefits to if you can get catch their restocks is they have PayPal checkout. Um, and when you do PayPal checkout, you get redirected off of the Best Buy site traffic. And that's usually what fells Walmart's, your Amazon's, is all the on-site traffic causes all these server chaos. And then nothing gets added to your cart. You have to press the button 30 times. So, um, you know, if you can track the Best Buy restocks in Pacific, I, I think that's a better shot than others. But hopefully, you know, this shit just becomes available uh, normally. I had to drive two hours to get it to uh, Mountain View because, of course, they go to a specific store location and you can't just choose whichever one you want. But, you know, it was the weekend on a holiday, so it wasn't too bad. Um, yeah, I got to load some stuff up. Uh, a wag of the finger to uh, NBA 2K because uh, they promised me a free PS5 upgrade when I got NBA 2K. Uh, but here's the rub. It's just loading the ps4 version on they have a up ps5 next gen version but you gotta pay yeah. 1995 to unlock that bullshit yep. Uh, yep. so go to hell 2k games because even cruel ruthless entity ea gave me a true free upgrade to fifa you know i have that ps5 fifa experience i got that ps5 miles morales experience but fucking 2k wants an extra 20 dollars on their bullshit basketball game to get that little graphical upgrade patch um, and then I haven't started it yet, but I did pick up the, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, expansion, Integrate, Intermission, all the naming is starting to get a little convoluted now. We're talking about Yuffie the Ninja Girl, or Yuffie uh, the Ninja Girl, so, um, I'll probably start digging into that as the week comes. Right on. Staff, real quickly, was this last episode of Loki your favorite one so far? Because it was mine. It was my favorite thus far. Yeah, because um, the third one was my least favorite thus far. So it was a nice turnaround for me, personally. Did not I dig the third one I that didn't, much. I, didn't, I, I was fine with it. I, I don't get I didn't think it was bad. Of- I just I didn't really think it was bad. I was just the third one. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just ranking up in the fourth episode. But I did hear a lot of kind of negative buzz on the third episode. I really didn't get why. Like, my nephew came and he loved it because he said it reminds him of Doctor Who. I don't even watch Doctor Who, but I got it. I'm like, yeah, I get Doctor Who vibes off of that. You know, like, yeah, this show, all this show is, is the uh, Tom Hiddleston chemistry experiment. Like, let's just pair Tom Hiddleston with other people and see how they banter together. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The lack of Owen Wilson is why I didn't like the third episode. Not kidding. Okay, that so is that's why. your favorite, that's your that favorite is my banter pairing. That's your favorite He's- banter pairing. But yeah, it's like. When people, I don't know, that's why I don't really understand, because I'm like, this show is a very simple in its premise to me. It's like, how does Tom Hiddleston, how is his tete-a-tete with various cast members? But um, I did, fourth episode was my favorite. Uh, the first one where we got like kind of a mid-post-credit stinger, um, and that was really exciting. Right on. Marcus, what do you got this week, man? Yeah, not a ton um, game-wise. Uh, I did get a local multiplayer game of Mario Golf going. Uh, none of the crazy running around chasing the ball, just pure stroke play. And it was actually quite fun. Um, and I did learn something in one of the reviews I had read before. They said you had to unlock the courses through doing the career mode. So I was trying to do that. I kind of complained about that last week. And apparently, if you just play local multiplayer and do half a course, you'll earn the other courses. So, so I basically got all of them except the last one just by having local matches, which was really fun. 
Um, kind of the bigger thing that I watched instead of Fast 9 was a, another stupid action movie that was on Prime called The Tomorrow War. This is the one with Chris Pratt and kind of a really stupid premise. Of, I mean, honestly, I think what kind of set my expectations was I saw one review that was very harsh on it, um, which made me think like, okay, like that was pretty rough. So I, my expectations were low. And when you get into it, I mean, I think your expectations should be this is a dumb sci-fi action summer flick, you know, that's projecting a lot of sci-fi tropes that like are difficult to juggle as in time travel and aliens and all these type of things. Um, and it honestly doesn't always do a great job with those avenues, but I will say like just watching it in fun, making fun of it and joking along with it. And a lot of times we would ask a question like, Oh, why, why doesn't this happen? And then like three minutes later, they would explain. So I do think that, someone had ran through the script a couple times and be like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Can you explain this? And there was some re re read it, uh, re edits there. Um, but overall I really, I thought for a dumb, a dumb action flick, it was really fun. I think one of my favorite things, I'll just, so basically the premise is like, there's a war 30 years in the future and people are going back in time to recruit people of the current time to go and fight the tomorrow war. But the thing that's really convoluted as is like, just go with it because it visually is fun is like, they say like, oh, well, like all the military got wiped out really fast. So now we're just going to take fucking everybody. It's just a world draft and they'll take grandmas and grandpas. So when they're like enlisting people, it's a bunch of everyday Joes that obviously would not cut military like standards of what a soldier with firearms going into a live combat zone would need to have. But Mike, give questions. Of course, they're, they're, you do as you watch this film as well. So just very quick. Mm -hmm. um, so they're taking people from the past to fight a war in the future yeah because it's called yeah. the tomorrow war yeah so a little i mean look i'll, I'll diverge some of the what, what kind of so, what, so, so just make... very very quick question and mm -hmm. obviously if they did this there wouldn't be any movie but mm -hmm. if they're able to draft quote unquote people from the past if they have the technology to bring people from the past to the future which time I mean, mm -hmm. literally taking people out of the space time from the past, putting them in the future. I don't know. I feel like that'll fuck some shit up. Just so, Mike, that like, Mike, Mike, you are clearly subscribing to the wrong time travel rules. Yes, it is yes. not a single time. We're talking about branch realities, I, I not butterfly effect. So let me let me explain because this is while you're watching the movie, these questions come up. This obvious time thing, and then that's a question that came up. Like, how how are they choosing? So, but they're their explanation of that is that they look in their computers or whatever and it's like oh chris pratt's character was going to die seven years in the future like he wasn't going to make it to the future time zone he's not there's no kids that are going to get expelled off if he dies like so basically everyone that is so in you're drafted, bobby, bobby you are irrelevant exactly you're drafted, yes you're both, irrelevant me bobby, the future. both me and bobby put a look on our face when you said that like that'll pass the sniff test i was i mean that that is what the movie does like so when you're watching it You'll have a question like, well, how does this make sense? And sometimes they don't get answered, but a lot of times they try to explain. And and yeah, and it's kind of like, okay, I, and it's like, look, if you want to put this thing to a magnifying glass, you're going to find holes. They're not hard to find. Bobby questions, of course. Mike, do you know what movie you and I are yeah, about to talk no, about next to the next I, five minutes? I, I you're was pulling, just, you're I looking was for logic thinking. holes in this? 
I was just thinking that um, <laughs> this movie where they're taking people from the past to fight a uh, war of the future probably still makes more sense than the movie yeah. we're about to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby, you're like, oh shit, they did that in Fast 9. That's where they took it from. Yo, that's Fast 10. That's the plots of Fast 10, son. Future, son. You're muted, Bobby. Bobby. You're muted. Uh, let me tell you this, guys. We're going to talk about a few minutes. But if we're not doing time travel in the next movie for Fast 10, I don't know what we're doing. You know, but it is ahead. true. In 20 years in the future, we got a drag race to save planet Earth. But we just don't have the handlers who can handle the wheel like they did back in Dominic Toretto's days. So we got to bring him to win the future drag race. I yeah. look forward to Mars drifting in Fast 12. It, it, just to wrap up tomorrow, War, like what I'll say Sorry. is like, yeah, when, when you're when you're watching this movie, like and, and like any sci-fi movie, you have these questions of like, okay, how does this work or that work? And to the movie's credit, like I said, they will try to explain it. How far you take that explanation, how much you buy into it varies. Some of them is like, okay, some of it's like this still doesn't really make sense or, or pass the sniff test, as you said, Mike. Um, but overall, I thought the film was really fun. Um, I had a good time with it. I mean, and what I really like is just like this visual aspect that like they have a bunch of Joe Schmoes just like I'm holding a machine. It's like it's like grandmas and grandpas and shit. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it has this really weird visual of especially when they're like they're doing the time travel. When you go to the new time, you kind of drop like it's like, oh, you're gonna drop like five feet. But apparently they get fucked up and it like drops high. So like you're dropping in with all these average looking people. It looks like Fortnite. It looks like, like we get it, and that's how the movie opens is everyone's dropping in and they're flying down and you have, it, I, I honestly expected <laughs> someone to be in a banana costume. Cause like, why not at this point? You have every other weirdo in this here. Is, hey, this is prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you, yeah, have, you gotta I mean, justify that man, you're paying for prime. You gotta watch some shit. And, and honestly, like in that regard too, like it's a good, I mean, as far as like production money wise, like the effects and action scenes and like, they're high production. Like this is supposed to be like a summer blockbuster film. Um, and it, it has that kind of character to it. I think, you know, it, look, if you want to poke holes in it, you, you, you're going to do that. You're going to find your holes and have a great time and say like, this movie's so dumb and stupid. But like, if you also just want to watch a movie and rag on it while you're watching it, I mean, that's what we did. And then I kind of res respected it to a certain degree. It was like, we make some joke like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then literally like it happened like eight times, like three minutes later, they'd be like, well, we have to, you're going to shoot them here and there because of X, Y, or Z. You know, they, they try to explain it. So you're kind of like, oh, well, you know what I did? I did ask that question. They tried to explain it. I'm not always going to buy the explanations or think it's good writing. Um, last thing I will say, I don't know if you guys have seen J.K. Simmons like recently. I don't know when he got on the Rick and Morty old man muscle oh, no, he, build. He's he, yeah. he been like that for a while. Okay, because this is the first time jacked. I've seen him in a while, and he is like yoked, ripped grandpa. And I'm like... Okay, I didn't know that. The last thing I heard him in was Invincible. I didn't really see him. He was I in Palm Springs like that too, wasn't he? Of that wasn't he all yoked up in, in Palm I mean, Springs? He also? was a hunter guy in Palm yeah. Springs. Oh. Yeah, was he? Yeah. I don't really. I remember him in that. He, I still remember him he being was, like. Uh, he, he had jacked arms in that drummer movie. Um, Whiplash? Whiplash. Yeah, Whiplash. Yeah, he had, had jacked uh, biceps. When we were already. talking about it, we. Uh, my brother-in-law Sean mentioned Whiplash. I was like, I didn't see it, so this was this was a new look for me, and I was like, hey, right on, man. I'm glad you overall you found it watchable because this this movie was on my radar. It's just something to watch. But the one thing that was kind of making me nervous is I saw a over two hour runtime, and I'm like, oh, original IP, you better hold my attention if you're gonna be doing yeah, a, I mean, a it, long movie like that. Th there, it definitely does kind of the last Lord of the Rings, where at one point you're like, 
this kind of seems like the movie could wrap up at this point, and then it kind of goes on for a little bit more, and you're like, okay. I mean, what they end up, it answers more questions. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm getting more information. And it ties back into things that, I mean, look at this. This movie's not trying to, it's dealing with really complex things, but it's not trying to be super complex. They introduce something extremely early on in the movie, and immediately I was like, well, that's going to come into play at the end of the movie. And it absolutely does. It's just like the foreshadowing is not so hidden in the shadows. You can kind of see where things are going to lead to, but um, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I mean, if, if you're don't really know what to watch and like a fun kind of sci-fi action movie sounds interesting to you. You could do worse than this. All right, Mike, you got anything before we just get into it? Yes. One very quick thing. Uh, so I had off, um, I would assume like many of you at home for a uh, Monday for mm-hmm. 4th of July. And I decided at about 11 AM today, um, while playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, like, fuck it, I want to go to the beach. So I got in my car and I drove to Coney Island and it was fun, you know? Um, nice. I, I was, I sat at the actual beach, you know, I set up my, uh, my little bed sheet it was super ghetto. Um, that is I, I ghetto. Went, it's usually a beach towel, but bed sheets. I, I, I couldn't find a beach towel and I really didn't want to look very hard. So I'm like, yo, fuck it. Let me just take this beach towel. I mean, my That's next good. guess would be bath towel, but it, Usually in the towel realm, I wouldn't go to sheets immediately, but that's just me, Mike. Yeah, so, you know, I laid there for maybe about an hour. I I went and I dipped my uh, my feet into the ocean, so I could say I was in the Atlantic Ocean. Nice. I don't like swimming in the ocean because the ocean has tried to kill me, kill me about three times. So the most I went was uh, knee deep, then I left. And then I went into the uh, Coney Island amusement park, and nice. I went on the new roller coaster, uh, that just uh, opened up this this uh, this season. Um, I think it's the first ro- new ride at Coney Island in God knows how long. And considering what we've been through the last year and a half, the ride is aptly named Phoenix. It's hmm. it's decent. Um, if it was a new ride at Six Flags Great Adventure or at Disney World or any act any an actual theme park. I would be like, this is bullshit. Um, you guys need to close. But considering it's Coney Island, the fact that the ride lasted all of like 15 seconds and there was like one loop and one just like mediocre drop. It's like, you know, this is great. Sure. I enjoyed it. Mike, so, my only uh, disappointment. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say uh, Coney Island. Uh, nice little day trip. I was going to say the only thing I lament about your Coney Island trip is, Mike, had you done it a day sooner, you could have met the pride of San Jose, Jaws, Joey Chestnut, just the repeat, the countless repeat champion of the uh, hot dog eating contest. Yeah, they still uh, do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, time. Our guy, he, uh, he, he retired uh, Kobayashi, which I lament, but hey, San Jose, California, he recommended on, on what was that uh, Food Channel show where the guy just did all the eating challenges? Man, uh, versus man versus food. food. Yeah. Man versus food. He did. Uh, Joey Chestnut recommended us that Godzilla mm-hmm. burrito, which we tried. And let's, you know, it's not hard to eat because the burrito is big. It's not a good burrito. It's just not a good burrito. I got a section that was just all whip or uh, sour cream, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you don't mix the ingredients to any type. When you're of making level. it that big, like, you know, it's got to be tactical. It could get sloppy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, that's about it on my end, Bob. Um, 
I bought MLB The Show. I am not good at it. I'm really trying, man. Baseball's hard. I believe your exact uh, words to me were the hubris I had thinking I can compete on veteran. No, it was the hubris. It was hubris because I, that's how I played the other one. I had 2014, but I haven't played any of the ones since then. And my timing on hitting is not good. Okay. It's really not good. Bobby, did you take my advice on how to play the career mode properly? And maybe improper to some. The, this is how you play the career mode, Mike, as someone who's not that big of a fan of baseball. Also, I personally think baseball games take too long because you can shorten quarters in basketball and football. In baseball, you got to play nine innings. You got to get three strikeouts in each inning. Well, well, one thing that's good about MLB The Show is that... They got the moments. I know the moments. No, but well, What do you mean the moments? Where it'll just randomly fast forward to segments in the no, game. No, 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 no. Three I mean, innings go by for no reason. I don't know about uh, Road to the Show, but I know that for the normal game and for like the franchise mode, um, when you're playing a game, you can play whatever you want, but then you can go into like the coach mode where you can just sim through like at bats. Yeah. But uh, my, my, my pro tip for the career mode is when you select your position, you choose middle reliever pitcher. Uh, you don't want to be a starter, you don't want to have the pressure of all them wins. You only want to play some of the games. So you, as a middle relief pitcher, you get called in like maybe two games a week, and then you get drafted to an AL team where you don't have to bat, Bobby. You yeah, never have but, to bat. You just play but, your two innings Steph, and keep what moving type along. Of, Steph, what type of loser mentality is that, that you, you want to be a middle reliever? Middle relievers are failed closers, and closers are failed starting pitchers. Look, Mike, Mike. Who, who do you guys give shout-outs to really often is Xavier Woods, right? And you know what he said about pro wrestling? Not everyone's here for the belt. Some of us are just here to be pro wrestlers, make a good living, have a nice, easy life. That's what the middle relief picture is all about, Mike. Mike, what happened to your camera? Well, <laughs> like I'm trying to be respectful to you guys because I'm also flossing at the moment. So Okay, well, now we're talking Fast and Furious, so stop flossing. Um... Oh, I also bought Ratchet and Clank, but I have not played any minute of it yet because I was playing MLB The Show only. So I got to play that next. Um, all right. Fast and the Furious 9. The ninth movie in the series. Tenth movie overall, if you include Hobbs and Shaw. Mark, um, they did it to you. Are you ready to pick holes in this movie? Seeing as we don't care about the Fast franchise. <laughs> it's not going to oh, be that no, hard. It's, it's not going to be very hard. Yeah, Mike, I need to be able to see you, for the love of God, so I can t- turn to you with this thing. Just letting you know. Um, all right, so we pick off where we left off, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> long story short, Vin Diesel has got a brother, and the brother is out working for the bad guys. And they either kidnapped or killed Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell's character. We say either because the movie ended with no resolution as to that major yes. issue. Let's also not forget <laughs> that in, I mean, how could we forget a throwaway line in Fast and Furious 4 where Mia says to Dom, you're my only brother, I can't lose you. There is also that, yes. We have John Cena was kicked out of the family for helping, well, we thought he killed his father. No, he was helping his father rig a race. But things went bad, and the car exploded, and Vin kicked him out of the family, or Dom kicked him out of the family. Vin, um, Vin Diesel, Dom Toretto heard Donovan El Tego Calderon talk some dumb shit about a fucking car thing, and he just assumes 
Oh yeah, yeah. My brother killed uh, killed their father. Yeah, there was a lot of flashbacks in this movie. Um, basically, John Cena's heel turn lasted less than two hours. John Cena was a good guy again, with about forty minutes left in this movie. Um, so John Cena's part of the crew. Obviously, he'll surely be in Fast Ten. Um, things that made no sense. Well, Ludacris and Tyrese went to space. They got in a car, mm-hmm. a, a Fiero, sense. a Fiero, and then Stefan asked about QB1, um, the guy, fr- uh, Sean from... Lucas uh, Black. Lucas Black. Sean from ba- from Fast and Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Him and Bow Wow, their new business venture, don't know how they ended up doing this, is strapping rockets to shitty cars and sending them out into and the when sky. You, and when you consider that in the Fast and Furious universe... Tokyo Drift actually came like right around Fury, uh, Fast and Furious Seven. That means maybe five years have passed in the Fast and Furious universe since Tokyo Drift, right? So that means Twinkie, that Asian dude, and QB One should be maybe twenty-two years old. Yeah, they do not look twenty-two years. Yeah, old. Yeah, QB One, it looks a clean forty-five years old. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry like, when you when you're got rockets sending cars to space. We can't afford the de-aging technology, guys. I'm sorry, the budget was shifted elsewhere. QB, so they get they get QB One. Look, he like he was thirty-five in Tokyo Drift. So that, there's also that. So they got the space right, and they're supposed to hack a satellite or something. Because Ludacris, you know, being a mechanic as he was when he was introduced in this series. Is gonna hack a satellite. However, shit doesn't work for some reason. So instead, they use Nas. You know, oh, uh, just one more thing. Uh, I was talking to Bobby about this before the the podcast. Um, he never saw this show, but one observation I had to him when Tyrese and Ludacris got to space was this: this is like the plots of Homeboys in Outer Space, which was an old show on U- UPN. So for those, of, for those of you that have watched that show, you're out there laughing right now. So, continue. Up the, so they're up top. Luda can't hack it. He's like, what do we do, man? We're up here. They need us to do something with this satellite. And Tyrese says he has faith. And then they turn on the Nas. And then they drive the car in space and break the satellite like it's made of paper mache. Um, and save the day. Um, Francis Ngannou's in this movie. Um, Francis Ngannou is killed in under five minutes. By Han. Han, who died in the Fast and Furious 3, by the way. Mm. He's back and alive. He's alive in this one. He throws a bomb at Francis. It gets stuck to him. And then he kicks Francis out the back of a truck. And his parachute opens. And Francis explodes. Five minutes. Francis is dead. Real quick. They don't Um, teach you how to defend that in the MMA. No, they don't. Cardi B's in this movie for no reason. Just in this movie. Um, Just shows up. And she has a conversation with Vin Diesel where I understood no words, really, because Vin is talking like Vin, and then Cardi B says some shit, and then Vin says more shit, and then that's the end of the scene. I don't... Uh, I I know there's been a lot of movies, and I guess a lot of characters have come through the door, but I have no idea how they know each other. Um, This is the weakest do-sex machina I have ever seen. Like... I, I don't understand why Cardi B was in this movie at all. I don't understand a lot of things about this no, movie. No, things are just going to happen in this movie. Um, Paul Walker's character is still alive in uh, Fast and the Furious kayfabe, I guess, in the story. Um, but so instead of him coming, though, he stays home with the kids. And Jordana Brewster 
in these last three movies appears to become a black belt in Muay Thai. Um, she learned how to fight. Uh, there's just a lot going on in this movie. Um, it's long, but I wouldn't say I got bored. It just shit was happening for over two hours. And then um, there's a post credit scene with Jason Statham where Han knocks on his door and Jason Statham's like, oh shit, I thought I killed you. Um, yeah. They're going to make two more of these. And they went to space in this one. They've been in a submarine. They fought with tanks. Um, they, I, Mark mentioned time, uh, time travel. Now I'm convinced time travel is happening in the next one. So, yeah. I feel I feel you glossed over many of the ludicrous moments in this movie. Go ahead, man. And, and I was, by ludicrous, I don't mean Chris Bridges. I just mean like you know ludicrous moments. I feel we need to go back to the homeboys in space part of, of go. this. Sure, go ahead. I mean, let, let's go back to even before they went into outer space. Uh, going back to the aforementioned uh, Tokyo Boys, yeah. um, they were they were street drifters in the first movie. Yes, Bow, Bow Wow had an incredible Hulk truck. All right, that yeah. was his arc in the first movie. He was black in Tokyo with an incredible Hulk, Hulk tr- truck. And somehow now they are fucking rocket scientists, right? Yes, and apparently. They're, they're just giving out rocket scientist degrees at the local community college. Because in, in addition to these guys learning fucking rocket science within the five years of this universe's uh, timeline, uh, so did so did Ludacris. Ludacris, when something fucks up in their space hoopty, he basically, <laughs> he's, he's all pissed because, oh, how did I think about that, like, this these wires would get like crossed up when the fucking jet goes off in the space hoopty. Oh man, I am so stupid. How could I not think about that? Um, my man, my man was organizing jet ski races in the second movie. <laughs> I honestly, I just wanted to say Tyrese is my favorite part of these movies because Tyrese is funny. He's made fun of. He's not overpowered. Tyrese, <laughs> Tyrese is going meta. All right, Tyrese is starting to become like Abed from Community, right? Because he's starting, he's like speaking as the audience now in this movie. Where, yeah, first scene, like the first big action scene of the movie, he is literally, oh, and if you guys, if we haven't said this already, spoiler alert, um, there is a scene in this movie where he is literally surrounded by the army of whatever in the script Latin American country they're in. I don't even know if they said what country they're in, but he is literally surrounded. He is Anakin not having the high ground and True. he is just shot at from every which angle and he comes out unscathed, right? And he talks about how like, hey, Guys, I think we're invincible. Like, look at all the bullshit that we have gone through over the last six movies. He doesn't say this in the last six movies, but like, come on, let's face it. And he says, like, yeah, I think we're just, I, I think we're literally invincible. And I'm there in the movie watching this just thinking, yeah, no shit. There is a lot of bullshit that goes on in these movies. Um, I, I think in a set of movies that have continuously jumped the shark, but we all still love it. I think this movie might have gone a bit too far for me. I think even it's jumped the shark for me, especially in the part when Dom, like, he like, I can't even describe the goddamn move. He somehow has to get across a whole fucking chasm and 
he like drifts into like a part of rope which wraps around the fucking tire of his car and my yeah. man swings their shit like fucking tarzan and somehow ends up on the other side yeah that happened he just knew it was there too and then nobody nobody sits down and says man how do we do that just <laughs> <laughs> i think i think michelle rodriguez goes well that's new and we all move on with our lives i don't know what your expectations were man that that movie did everything it needed to do for me. Mike, I was going to uh, say, you know, if you usually when you get to chapter nine of something, uh, you're in. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. <laughs> when when Bobby asked me what I thought of the last Star Wars movie t- to all the public derision, you know what I said, Mike? I liked it. I enjoyed that movie. I will say that at the end of this movie, when um whatever whatever country's astronauts ended up, you know, Picking up Tyrese and Ludacris while in yes, the outer space. That is true. Someone had to pick up. They just some astronauts came across Tyrese and Luda up there because when they used the NOS, that was their way home. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> wait, did we actually see that occur? That they used NOS? They turned no, on the NOS. No, did we, that that astronauts picked yes. them up, or yes. we, or is it a mystery? Okay, no, no, no. no, no. The, the astronauts said in whatever Eastern European language of. Um, are they in a was it a Fiero? A Fiero, yes, yeah. they were in a Fiero. Because I'm about and, to spoil another movie that I don't expect anyone's going to watch at this point. But uh, I was like, did we get the gravity ending where George Clooney just <laughs> drifts away into space, nah, even nah, though nah, everyone nah. said that if Sandra Bullock just gave a little tug, then no gravity <laughs> would have brought him back, but she just <laughs> let him drift forever into eternity. I I definitely thought at the end of this movie, how the hell are they going to top this movie with just a how the what are you kidding me did they really just do that i don't know how they're going to top it they have two more movies left apparently in this franchise um no i think vin i think vin diesel said that's it two more um i mean sure until you know that kid until the the rock takes over in the next one yeah um mark told us what's happening next it's time travel that well, that's where we're going it has to happen yeah you gotta have a big uh, end game movie they go back in time the last one Get the, chosen the last part. one more capitaling in on popular tropes is uh the family is all that remains in the zombie apocalypse. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure if you, if you guys have been on the internet the last week or so, there's a lot of uh, memes about no matter what difficult situation Vin Diesel is in, he says so and so might be tough, but you know we got family or something. <laughs> I, there's no I, family. <laughs> I think my favorite one is uh when he's going to fight Darth Vader with a shotgun, and the meme just says. Nothing as powerful as family. And then the next picture is him cut in half. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I call this movie series Scumbag Avengers. This is what it is, man. This movie just keep, they keep going. The whole universe is out there. Oh. And again, the main plot point of the movie was what happened to Mr. Nobody, I felt. And we don't know. <laughs> we don't know how that got resolved. Is he dead? Did they help? Did, what happened? And Charlie Theron... Yet again, the bad guy extending into another movie after this. So I heard she's going to get her own spinoff. Because oh, that character Jesus. is so interesting. So interesting. I mean, um, I, I love looking at Charlize Theron, but I mean. Her character is terrible. Yeah, Cypher, <laughs> Cypher could have been done after the first movie. Oh, the one thing I do want to say, I thought that um, I forgot the name of the her character on Game of Thrones. But uh, Ramsey? Masande. Masande. She, she had a little piece of business 
where they needed her to drive and she said she doesn't know how to drive and i'm that, like all right that was i like that me, that was genuinely gave me a chuckle that was nice. you know what you asked me earlier what was my favorite thing in the movie it was that scene that yeah. scene was pretty goddamn funny yeah, um, I thought that was pretty. That was a bit of comedy. Like, oh, this person doesn't know how to drive in this and, whole thing. And you are actually speaking about uh, Ramsey. That's her her name in the movie. One actual critique I would have of this movie is that it seems the 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 main MacGuffin in the movie is very redundant to what was just done two movies ago in Furious Seven, where um, tell me if you've heard this before. Those of you that have watched the uh, Furious Seven. Um, there is some techno shit that will go over the entire world and it will basically lead to whoever has control of it, you know, world domination, right? And they introduce a kick-ass female character who is the key to controlling said uh, technological thing. Uh, that, was the, that was the plot of uh, God's Eye and Ramsey in Furious 7. And that's also the plot for, I forget what the fuck the thing is called in this movie as well. And um, the uh, the new girl they introduced, I think her name was L in in this movie. Um, yeah. So no, at one point the in the movie, movie, I was thinking, I'm pretty sure I've seen this before in a Fast and Furious movie. Yep. Anyway, Fast oh, Ten. I'm is back. That was that was great. Yeah. The explanation for how he came back was. <laughs> Laughable, oh yeah, Hans, Han was sure, a, Han okay. was a secret agent that whole time in Tokyo Drift. By the way, whole time he was a secret agent. That that was what was going on. Anyway, that's it for this week. Real quick, breaking news: um, we got a featherweight main event booked between Edson Barboza and Giga Chikadze. Giga is trying to come off of um, that win against Cub Swanson and his one, two, three, six straight wins to start off his UFC career. Trying to show he's even further, uh, further show he's legit by taking on Edson Barboza in a five-round main event at the end of August. I do appreciate that Edson Barboza appears to be the proving ground for any and all featherweights in the UFC. It's how we know if you're legit or not. We make you get kicked by Edson Barboza and see if you survive. Anyway, we'll be back next week. We're going to see what's next for Conor McGregor because no matter what happens in this fight, that's going to be the main talking point. Doesn't matter. That's what we're talking about. Uh, we know what's next if Dustin Poirier wins because he's fighting for the championship. Till then, I was Dr. Law, that was Kid Presentable, that was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms flanked by both Vin Diesel and John Cena. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Here's the case.